It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. You just tell me what you want to do, and I tell you how to do it in a way that makes sense, saves money, saves time, saves effort, is sort of ecologically based, and is based on research and experience, not on something your neighbor told you over the fence. Not some rumor that you heard on Facebook, not some crazy formula that you Red somewhere would kill all the weeds in the world, but keep your lawn looking great. Nothing uses beer, nothing uses uh, dish detergent or vinegar or birth control pills or old cigar butts or stale beer or any of that stuff. This is the show where you get the real truth about what works and what doesn't. My number, phone number is easy to remember, 404 750 404-872-0750 gets you in to ask your question, and then we will be about our days. Heavy sigh, heavy sigh, heavy sigh here, because I saw pictures of something I could not quite believe still happens in this day and time, but I, I, I know it does, but I don't want to believe that it happens. And that was pictures of a newly planted tree. In a guy's backyard, he had moved into the house only, how long ago did he say, four months ago, I think it was? Four months ago. And he showed pictures of his tree. He said, Mr. Reeves, is it normal for dog food bags to be wrapped around the trunk of a tree? What? <laughs> what did you say? Is it normal for dog food bags to be wrapped around the trunk of a tree? He sent me some initial pictures, and I couldn't quite believe it, so I got him to send more pictures. Yeah, well, that's what happened. The builder, whoever this dummy was, the builder, or the installers or whoever they hired to dig the hole with the tree in, in place, had wrapped the trunk of the tree with dog food bags for reasons I don't have a clue why they would do that way. My... Possible guess is that somewhere where the tree was grown, some some tree farm where the tree was grown, that they maybe were protecting the tree from being bruised in the trip on the truck over to the place where it was planted. Maybe, maybe it was to prevent um, sun scald or freeze damage if it came from a place that's real cold in the winter time. Maybe. But why would the dog food bag be wrapped around the trunk of a tree? That's that's weirdness number one. That's not the first weirdness. That's just weirdness number one. Number two, because he was showing me the base of the tree, I could see that the trunk of the tree looked like it came straight out of the ground and then into the dog food bag. So I commented. I said, you know, that thing sure does look planted deeply. If you would, send me a picture of when you excavate around the base of the trunk. Let me know where you get the where you find the first big root around that tree. First big root. Four or six inches down, way too deep, way too deep. The first root on a tree needs to be at soil level, no deeper than that. His is way deep in the soil. 
Third weirdness. He said, and also there's all this burlap sticking up out of the ground around the around the hole where the tree was planted. Lots of burlap sticking up and it's attached to something underground. What's going on there? Well, that's just a, another example of ignorance right there. That is an example of not knowing what in the world you're doing when you plant a tree. You never, 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 never leave the burlap on the on the ball of a tree when you plant it. Ball and burlap trees, you know, they're dug, they're wrapped with a, a wire cage. And then they have burlap wrapped around to hold the soil in place. But that should be removed in every case. Do not let anybody ever tell you that the burlap will decompose one day or that the roots go right through it or that there's any reason to leave burlap on. And a lot of reasons there are not to leave it on. Burlap does always inhibit the growth of roots through it. You don't want that to happen. You want the roots to go right out into the soil around the tree ball and start establishing themselves. You don't want them inhibited for one second. Burlap always inhibits root growth. It should always be removed. Also, <laughs> even more, pieces of metal, these are wire metal sticking up out of the ground around the tree, and that, of course, is part of the cage that the bald and burlap tree was harvested and held together with. You know what that cage looks like. Last question. So, Mr. Reeves, what should I do now with that tree? I already know if the roots are buried deeply, four inches too deep, that the tree is not going to survive more than a couple of years. The roots are simply going to suffocate. I also know, because the burlap is in, the, in place, that the tree is not going to have great root expansion anyway. So this is what I told him to do. I said, get a, a narrow shovel or a big shovel, I guess it doesn't matter, and dig around the root ball of the tree. Dig around, make a big deep trench around the root ball of the tree. You don't have to move it exactly, but we're going to dig around it first just to get access to the sides of the root ball where all the burlap is. And then get a razor knife and lay on your stomach on the ground and razor knife cut away all that burlap because we don't want any more burlap there. Clip away as much of the metal as you possibly can as well. And then, last thing, get a buddy or two buddies probably and lift the tree up straight up in the air and you, on your tummy, get down there and pack dirt underneath the ball of the tree to raise those roots up three or four inches so that they are level with the surrounding soil. I don't, I don't want him to lift it out of the hole because I'm scared the whole root ball will fall apart. And so I'm just asking him to lift it up straight up as carefully as they can, pack dirt underneath it, and then when it rests back down on that pile of dirt, pack dirt around it and then continue to backfill around the tree, water appropriately, mulch around it, make sure it's good and mulch, be sure that it gets water during the summertime when it's dry. And fingers crossed, maybe that tree will survive. And take off the dog food bags around the trunk. <laughs> Last thing to do, take them off. They don't do anything for that tree and they might hide bugs and critters underneath too. <sighs> So, my friends, take from that what you will, but dog food bags is the last thing you need around the trunk of a tree. Okay? So far, so, far, so good. So far, so good. We go to the phones, 404-872-0750. And our friend Wade down in Griffin, Georgia. Where is my cursor here? There it is. My cursor's right there. Nicole joins us. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Nicole. 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 Somehow Nicole is not hearing me right now. Justin, you want to try to push a button that makes Nicole hear me? Nicole, can you hear me now? Mr. Reese. There she can hear me now. Hi, Nicole. Good morning. Fine, fine, fine. I was thinking that you think you save a little money because you are your people that don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But on the long run, 
those people, they are not in sync with life. They, you have they to don't recognize observe anything. Life. You're right. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. It's like somebody who, dri- who drives a car backward on the highway. They don't know what they're doing. That's okay. obvious they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, I went to the farmer market over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, it is buzzing big time, Mr. Reed. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, saw two bucks, one box full of cucumber, and the next box was a full of cucumber. But they look like a snake. Ooh, those long, curly, yeah, snake cucumbers. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fun. They, they taste great. Yes, and they're probably, I don't know, if they, maybe they pick earlier. They were about 50 cents, around 50 yeah. cents. Yeah. And they have those long stripes, and, and the tail is just curling. I thought, you know, I was thinking, this person that pick up those cucumber snakes all day, even at night, if they pick up a real snake, they will know the difference. Oh, ridiculous. It's a long... I never saw those snakes before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I have seen them in, you know, farmer's markets and uh, uh, ethnic grocery stores and places like that. And I have actually seen them being grown in Vietnam. As a matter of fact, I remember now going to a place that had a hanging from the hanging from the top of a big uh, arbor kind of thing, hanging down, oh, at least two feet, three feet maybe. Sure. Uh, I think uh, the animal at night, when they see that, they stay away. <laughs> so what is a snake <laughs> hanging down from that vine for? That is a crazy thing. Yeah, uh, that's interesting to, to see the cucumber snake because you wonder who chose, who bred that that plant to be like that. Why do we have the small, you know, eight inches long cucumbers that we typically think in salads and things here in the States? Why did somebody else think a cucumber, a long, 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 long cucumber, would be a good thing to have? So they mix two kinds of seeds and just guess what they're going to come up? Well, they don't make two kinds of seeds. No, those are specially bred. I'm sure there's some varietal name for them, uh, for the long cucumbers. I don't know if there's much difference in taste. They don't certainly taste much different to me between the let's call them the American cucumber and the Asian cucumber. They don't taste any different. But why somebody chose to have one that long, I don't know. I thought it was so funny. Mr. Reeve, <laughs> uh, dragonfly, what do they have per, per person life? They eat mosquitoes. One thing, they eat mosquitoes. Oh, I didn't know that. That is a good purpose in my life. And not only is it the beautiful dragonfly you see above ground flying around and landing on little twigs, but the larval form is the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. And it, it lives in the mud. If you go by a little lake or a creek or someplace with there's a little shallow layer of mud at the edge of the water and take a handful of that mud and just hold it for a minute, you'll see these big, oh, they're about an inch long, I guess, ugly creatures moving around in it. And those are the larval form, the immature form of a, day, of a dragonfly. So... Uh Who's the predator of a dragonfly? Birds, uh, probably. Bird? Birds, yeah, I would think. All right. They entertain my cat, that's for sure. It's <laughs> one good thing for a dragonfly, to entertain your cat. And for us to admire the beauty of nature sometime, I don't know that it was intended for that dragonfly to look so pretty, but they simply do. They simply do look like a cute little insect. I guess. They're very gracious, they that's are. for sure. Gracious is a good word. Nicole, it's 618, so I have to go, but I do appreciate your call. And look out for the cucumber snakes. They might might bite you someday. Watch out. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, too. 404 872 
0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Tender-hearted woman saw a poor half-frozen snake His pretty colored skin had been all frosted with a dew Just to know there's what a good cried, song I'll take you in and I'll take care of you Take me in Great song there. Well, quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today Some scattered thunderstorms have 88, low 72 tonight Tomorrow, isolated thunderstorms. I'm not sure what the difference is. Cloudy, have 86, low 71. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Steve is in Decatur and has a question about his nut sage and his crabgrass. Steve, good morning. Still, there he is. Hey, Steve. I had talked with you uh, last year, and we yeah. had, uh, you recommended putting pre-emerge in out. Twice uh, in the you know, which I've done and it's done good with the crabgrass control. But I'm starting to get a little crabgrass now along the curb and driveway edges, and then I have this nutsedge yeah. in my in my uh, garden beds that I just got to do something with. Hmm. Well, as far as crabgrass goes, there is no longer a selective spray that'll take crabgrass out of. Turf grasses. In other words, you don't have anything other than a pre-emergent as your weapon weapon against crabgrass, or you can dig it out, or you can, I guess, you spray it with Roundup. But at this point in the season, Steve, there's just nothing that will selectively remove crabgrass from the edge of the lawn, from the curb, or anything like that. And so you make the choice: Do I dig it out? Do I leave it alone? Do I keep mowing it? Do I spray a spot spray with Roundup? Those are your choices, pretty much. Boy, that's it. What about them dog food bags? <laughs> I don't think they would have anything to do with the crabgrass, Steve. Yeah, okay. As far as the nut sedge goes, you've got sedge ender that um, Bonide makes, Pike sells uh, sedge ender. There's um, sedge hammer is another product, sedge hammer. And it seems like there's another third one somewhere in there as well. Oh, uh, image, image for nut sedge. And so well, either I, one I, of those would I, work. I well, I tried the image, uh, and I just didn't get very good results with it. Go to Pike and get the uh, Sage Ender then. Okay. Well, uh, how well would Roundup work on the nut sedge? Not well, because the nut sedge, if you hit it with Roundup, the nut sedge is going to um, have little nuts under the ground, and the Roundup doesn't spread far enough down the, down the stem to kill the nuts, so you really don't get good control of the nut sedge with Roundup. Steve, i got to go, but thanks for calling this morning. It's 628. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 635 and 76 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves of Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to answer your questions, whatever it may be, about your garden, your landscape, your flowers, your trees. 
critter control, bug control, lack of energy control. <laughs> if you don't want to do anything, give me a call, 404-872-0750. Roger's in Marietta and joins us first in line. Hey, Roger. Good morning. Hey, morning. I've got two trees in my yard that have yet to leaf out. Hmm. Uh, they're planted by the builder, been in there about three years. One's an oak, uh, one maybe a maple. It's some kind of a mongrel, but both have plenty of buds and uh, some very tiny leaves, but they seem to be stuck at that level of development. Yeah. The branches are flexible, nothing's brittle. So my question is, is, is there any hope for this year and will they be around next year? No and no. And I'm just saying the truth, Roger, the, if they don't have leaves by now, they're not absorbing the energy that they will need in order to make leaves next year. You know, fertilizer doesn't do it. Sunshine is, is what makes a tree grow and get bigger and store energy for other things. And they just don't have any way now of absorbing sunshine for next year. So they are not going to get any better this year if they're not leafed out fully by this time in July. And because we don't have any energy stored, they won't leaf out next year either. Well, that was what uh, what I was afraid I would hear. But uh, let me let you do some homework, Roger. You heard me talking just now about the guy with the dog food bags around the trunk of his tree. Go out and just for the fun of it, look and see how your trunk is in in relationship to the ground around it. In other words, find out whether the root is right at the soil level. The first major root on a trunk should be at soil level. And if you want to do a little digging and find out where it is, if you don't see it, so a level, go ahead and ex excavate a little bit around the trunk just to see. And if you see it deep, then that was the reason. I see so many examples of this, Roger. Trees planted too deeply by people who should know better, landscape companies who really should know better, but they don't. And some companies that do a great job. But the, you know, the ones that I see, I can tell, tell someone just didn't do it right the first time. They should have knocked the dirt off the top of the ball of, of uh, dirt around the root ball, found that major root, made sure it's level with the surrounding soil. That is the way to plant a tree. Well, I guess I could just sort of check it out as I dig them up if yeah. they're not going to make it. Check it out and see. And, you know, Roger, if you see something interesting, I always love pictures. You know I love pictures. Uh, go on my website, the little button that says Contact Walters. Upload a couple of pictures if you see anything interesting you want me to see. I'll do that. All right. Roger, sorry to give you the bad news, but I don't want you to have false hope. Those trees are gone, gone, gone. Okay. All right. Sad yeah. to say. Thanks for calling, Roger. All right. Thanks. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you in to take Roger's place. John, John joins us in Atlanta with a question about his gunnera plant. What are you growing gunnera for, John? All right. Well, Mr. Reed, I uh, get me a couple of Perennials, it's yeah. supposed to be the large leaf perennials. They call it dinosaur food. Yeah, exactly. You know, all and right. all that. And uh, I get the soil mix according to the uh, directions they gave me. And uh, I placed them both in the ground. It had pea gravel, about 20% pea gravel, uh, a little bit of wood mulch, and uh, peat moss, and topsoil. And so, uh, it said put it in a hole that's about three foot by two foot, you know, right. plenty of room. And the pea gravel, I guess, is for the drain. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I put them in the ground, and they were coming up really good. The leaves are getting nice and big. It looked really healthy. And then out of the blue, I started seeing these 
uh, brown spots showing up on a few of my leaves. Uh-huh. And uh, they're never on the new leaves, but after they start getting big a little bit, they show up. And they they look like eyeballs, a lot of <laughs> eyeballs on the leaves. Yeah. And uh, I'm just wondering what might be the problem. Let's see then. The eyeballs actually is a very descriptive thing for me, John, because that target looking, I would call it a target rather than an eyeball, but I think we agree that that's what it looks like. It's circular, concentric circles and spots on the, on the leaf. And that tells me it's probably a fungus that attacks the plant, not a bacteria, but a fungus, because that's the way fungi spread. Start at one point and it spread outward from there. So I'm thinking fungus is what you probably have. Now, how and why it has that fungus is hard to figure out because lots of fungi are just around anywhere they happen to be. And so the only thing I could suggest you might do, John, is just consider getting a little bottle of daconil. Daconil is a common garden fungicide. And spray the leaves with that and see if that stops the, stops the spots. It doesn't cost very much. It doesn't hurt anything to spray the leaf and just see if that stops the spots from occurring. Daconil is the name of the name of the product that's in a red bottle and trigger sprayer and put that on. Okay. I, I know I had a neighbor mention something about spraying mineral oil on it or something that I, I, I wasn't sure. I no. Well, that's I, an I ex excellent way to kill the leaf. Uh, oil on leaves, unless it's really specifically manufactured to put uh, on a plant, is typically going to hurt the leaf more than it helps anything. So no mineral oil on the leaf. John, one more thing. Where did you get the gunner plant in the first place? Uh, I brought them on an online site. Okay. And they shipped them to the house, yeah. Did they mention anything about winter hardiness? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I know uh, it's a perennial, so, you know, they said it will go dormant. Uh, but go and dormant and survive is not the same thing. Yeah, gunner plant will go dormant, but it'll go dead between now and next March because it does not tolerate freezing temperatures. Yeah. So it will be perennial in, uh, you know, South Florida, places where it does not get very cold in the wintertime, but in Atlanta, it will not survive the winter here. Okay. What should I put in a, maybe in a pot? Yeah, you could do that. A, a big pot, you could try to bring it inside. Although it's a pretty big plant, it's pretty sort of rough and spiky. You know how the leaves are very, very rough and sandpapery. So I'm not sure I want to have that in the house with me, but you can do it if you want to. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it in the garage. Yeah. I don't know. Let me see. There are other plants. That's other plants to think about, John, you know, just regular old banana plants. Most bananas you can get to overwinter in Atlanta by mulching real heavily in the wintertime. Um, you've got the um, elephant ear, huge leaves on the elephant ear. They give you a tropical look as well. So there's other solutions other than gunnera, I think. Okay. Well, I had a reason, I guess, for using the, I call them gunneras. Yeah. All right. Gunneras, everything. But uh, I make art out of them, you know, oh, out yeah, of their sure. leaves. Sure, sure, sure. You make uh, uh, pots and, and, and bird baths and things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. a great idea. And so, uh, but I mean, uh, I don't know how this fungus got in here. It was They were doing just fine, you know, and uh, uh, what was that 
again, that remedy Dac again. Dacanil, D-A-C-O-N-I-L, Dacanil, John. Dacanil. Dacanil. Okay. And I can get that at any... Any pike nurse you run into, they got Dacanil, five or ten bottles of it for you. Okay, well, I hope that works. All right, thanks, John. I got to go, but thanks for calling. Good luck with it. A gunner plant, beautiful plant, seen them all over the world in tropical places in Atlanta. Not hardly. And Jessica joins us from Snellville. Hey, Jessica, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Reeves. Hi. I'm calling for my father who uh -huh. is resting in Tennessee right now on their hour behind. Yeah. He plans to do business with a farmer's market soon uh, from his garden, and he wanted to ask what is the largest and sweetest strawberry, what is the name of it um, that he should buy? Chandler. I mean that he should uh, get the seeds for. Uh, Chandler. 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 Perfect. And he won't get seed. Wait, 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 Jessica. Oh, we have to tell your dad. There's many other things I need to tell you. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. We won't grow them from seed because the way you propagate strawberries typically is from plants because it just works better that way. The strawberry seeds are difficult to get to sprout, and so you leave that job to some farmer who knows what he's doing. He grows the, the uh, Chandler strawberries from seed, and then he sells them in packs of 10, 25, 100 maybe. Typically, you don't find Chandler strawberries sold at local garden centers or, or anything like that locally. You typically buy them online, and there are plenty of vendors online who will sell you, like I said, packs of uh, 10, 25, 50, 100 maybe of the plants. And they come to you, and Jessica, when you look at it, you'll say, what are these little straggly things here? <laughs> they look really bedraggled. I promise Ooh. you, if you take those plants, little strawberry plants, they usually have one or two little bitty leaves on them. You put them in the ground, water it in the spring. Usually I've planted mine as early as February. You plant in March or April if you want. But the uh, leaves quickly start growing, multiplying. Pretty soon the plant is growing like crazy, and you have daughter plants running all over the ground, and you have a big patch then of strawberries that you can consider harvesting or selling the strawberries, whatever you're going to do with them. But beyond that, Jessica, there's some ideas for how to manage a strawberry bed. You don't just leave the same plants in place all the time. You let them renew themselves, is what it's called, where you let a mother plant make daughter plants, and then you chop out the mother plant because she isn't very productive after that one year. You let the daughter plants take their place. And then there's techniques of how you renew the bed back and forth and back and forth between so mother, daughter, mother, daughter, daughter, granddaughter, granddaughter, granddaughter. And so you need to do a little research on how to grow strawberries commercially. But you can do it, but Chandler would be the variety I think would work best for your dad. This is going to be music to his ears. Thank you, Mr. Reeves. We appreciate all of your knowledge. Thank uh, you so I much. I do my best. I do my best, Jessica. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. We'll Bye see now. you soon. 404-872-0750 gets in to get your lawn and garden information this morning. In the next couple of, out, couple, couple of minutes, Betsy Logaville says somebody is getting her ground cherries and eating them. Who could that be? Could be the same little creature that's eating my tomatoes. What do you think? Could be. Well, if you want to join us and join Betsy in line, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to 
is hitting it on all cylinders this morning. Strawberry Fields, nice song. Quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, have well, isolated thunderstorms first, but high of around 88, low of 70 overnight. Tomorrow, about the same. Still isolated thunderstorms, so high of 88, high 89, perhaps, and low of 72 overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let's see, we've got uh, Betsy. Hey, Betsy, good morning. Betsy, there she is. Hey, Betsy. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. So, what? What? What's stealing? What's going on with your ground cherries? The ground cherry is making fruit. Yeah. You can see the half hanging, but it is empty. There is a hole on top of it, ah. and the, the fruit is gone. Ah, how big is the hole? Tiny little hole. Um, tomato fruit About, worm. I'm going to give you a guess right this minute. Tomato fruit worm. There's a caterpillar that attacks squash, tomatoes, uh, pickles, uh, or cucumbers, I should say. It's called pickle worm when it attacks a cucumber. It's all the same caterpillar. It just has a different name depending on what plant it's attacking. You could call yours the ground cherry fruit worm if you want to, but it's all the same caterpillar. And when the moth lays her eggs on the top of your ground cherry fruit, the egg hatches out, the little larvae bores down through the husk and then down into the fruit itself. And because the ground cherry is not a very big fruit, it can consume most of the fruit inside the husk without you really noticing much of anything going on. So there you are with an empty husk and nothing to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we do? <laughs> How can you stop it? What can I do? It's, going, it's not easy. The reason that it's not easy is because the fruit worm is right there at the flower. There's usually a cluster of flowers around tomatoes or uh, cucumbers or ground cherries in that matter. And because it's around that flower, if you spray insecticide, you're going to kill also the pollinators, the bees and butterflies and things that visit those flowers. So frankly, what you have to do, Betsy, I'll give you two avenues to try. First avenue, get an organic caterpillar killer. And the abbreviation we always use is B like boy, T like Tom. If you go to a garden center and say, I need some BT to kill caterpillars. If you spray that on your on your ground cherry plants, it doesn't kill insects. It doesn't kill um, butterflies. It doesn't kill honeybees or anything like that. The only thing it kills is caterpillars, and that's what you're really trying to do is kill the larval form of a moth. I think that makes the so, fruit worm. But the 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 eggs are on the flower. Could be could be on the flower or on the fruit itself. Mostly on the fruit. Was it right there close to the flower, you know, the other flowers around there? So that's why you want to protect those flowers and why an organic thing that doesn't kill honeybees is the first choice to use here, I think. So BT, there's one, one product called Caterpillar Killer, another one called Caterpillar Attack, two or three more. But as long as you just know the letters BT and tell whoever's helping you at the garden center, say, I need BT for killing caterpillars, they'll know what to get. Okay. I got another question. What do I use for to get rid of mimosa weed? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, Betsy, mimosa weed. I just, in fact, yesterday posted a thing on online on Facebook and Twitter too about the three hardest weeds to control in summer. And the first one I had was mimosa weed, the little weed that looks like a mimosa plant, and there's millions of them growing right now. At this time, Betsy, the easiest thing to do is to spray with a non-selective. Well, I guess you could use Weed Be Gone. We could use either a Weed Be Gone Broadleaf Weed product, and I'll give you an idea of what to buy. Uh, Bonide Weed Beater Ultra is one item you can use. Bonide okay. Weed Beater Ultra, and it works very well on the mimosa weed. It doesn't hurt your grass. It doesn't hurt uh, anything. Well, it hurts other broadleaf plants, so be careful when you spray it. But if you spray it just on the mimosa weed, I think you'll get pretty good control. I, I, I just um, my my uh, my lawn was very neglected. I just bought the house. And yeah. I tried so hard to get. Yeah, it's tough. I understand. It's really really tough to control mimosa weed, but try the Bonide Weed Beater Ultra, and I think you'll get control with it using that. Best. So thanks for calling. I gotta go. It's six fifty eight. We'll be back after news. <laughs> 